Hello. Hello. to Three Stooges Throwback, the comprehensive, encyclopedic compendium of all things Three Stooges. From woman haters to sappy bullfighters, from Curly to Shemp, and even to Joe. I am your host, Gabriel Russo, and I'm looking at all 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the Three Stooges comedy team. Hello and welcome back once again to the Three Stooges Throwback podcast. I am still your host, Gabriel Russo, and we are still going over the 190 shorts produced for Columbia Pictures by the comedy team, The Three Stooges. I have a new microphone. Today is my first use of my new toner microphone with the popping thing guard. So I'm really moving up in the world. So that was a Christmas present from my wife, and it is wonderful. So if anybody notices a difference in the recording, let me know. This is episode 37, covering the short, We Want Our Mummy. First things first, I use Wikipedia, IMDB, and ThreeStooges.net to find all of the tidbits for the episodes. And I usually watch them on Daily Motion or on YouTube. And now I'm watching them from The Three Stooges, all one word, all lowercase, The Three Stooges account on YouTube. All of the shorts are in 1080p. They look better than they did in 1939, to be perfectly honest. And that's where I've watched uh, this short. I've read almost every book on the boys, and I use my own brain to formulate opinions on the shorts, while also regurgitating the opinions of others. With that said, let's get on with the show. We Want Our Mummy comes in with a runtime of 16 and a half minutes. It was shot over four days, November 1st, 1938 through November 4th, 1938, and was released to a waiting public Friday, February 24th, 1939. So it said two and a half months, something like that. Curly, Larry, and Moe are your three stooges. This short is produced by Jules White. Nearly 40% of his output stars the Three Stooges. When the shorts department closed in 1957, he worked for Screen Gems, which was their TV subsidiary. I remember seeing the Screen Gems logo on things when I was a kid on various, I think maybe Popeye also? I can't remember. This short is directed by Del Lord with story and screenplay credits going to Elwood Ullman and Searle Kramer, all of whom have been profiled before, so we will move on to the actors. We've got Bud Jameson as Dr. Powell. He was in 38 Stooge shorts. Feels like more. Mo called him Buddy, and remembered the times that they sang Barbershop Harmony with Charlie Chase, Vernon Dent, and Bud Jameson. James C. Morton was Professor Wilson here. We've covered him. Dick Curtis as Jackson. We touched on Curtis before and on Pioneer Town. But it's pretty cool, so I'm going to talk about it, since there isn't too much else on Dick Curtis. Pioneer Town was the motion picture set made by Mr. Curtis and Russell Hayden, another cowboy actor. Roy Rogers was another early developer and investor, they filmed the Cisco Kid there, the TV show The Cisco Kid, as was Gene Autry's show, filmed there for five years. 
Pioneer Town had slash still has a bowling alley, and Roy Rogers made the cover of the local paper when he bowled a strike on the very first roll of that bowling alley. He opened it. He bowled a 211 in his cowboy boots <laughs> with Dale Evans and over 200 people watching. Dick Curtis died at 49 of pneumonia from lung cancer in 1952. We've got Eddie Lawton is the cab driver. Small fact for Eddie Lawton, he was a good dialect comedian. He played a French nobleman in Buster Keaton's She's Oil Mine and an English big game hunter in The Stooges in the Sweet Pie and Pie. He died in 1952, two months after Curly. They were born the same year, and both were 48 when they passed. Ted Lorch is the thug in the mummy outfit. He went by Theodore and was one of the directors of the Screen Extras Guild when it was formed in 1945. We talked about the Screen Extras Guild a little bit. John Tyrell is the thug in Egyptian garb. He was in 28 stooge shorts, all of them with Curly. He became a dancer at 16 with uh, in the duo Tyrell and Mac. They traveled the country for 10 years and were very in demand. Pretty short cast list, to be honest. Only five other players besides the boys. An actor named Robert Williams is listed on IMDb as having played Professor Tuttle. But according to threestooges.net, that is incorrect. And the actor who actually played Professor Tuttle is unknown, which is kind of sad, you know, unknown. You'd think that that would have been written down in the, uh, you know, on the shooting schedule for the day or what have you. And most of that stuff is still around, I believe. Anyway, so we open on a sign for the Museum of Ancient History, the Egyptian Room. Uh, Morton and Bud Jameson are talking about a Professor Tuttle who has disappeared without a trace. Now we'll never find Rootin' Tootin's tomb. First, Professor Dalton dies mysteriously, and now Tuttle has disappeared. It's the curse of Rootin' Tootin'. So Bud says they need the mummy, or all of their artifacts, all their other artifacts, are worthless. I don't know why that would be. Morton has sent for the three best investigators in the city. Dun, dun, dun. So in come the boys walking backwards with bearded masks on the back of their heads. They look very odd. So they're walking backwards. They've got these masks. They say, at your service night and day, if we don't get them, you don't pay. Excelsior. <laughs> Which is reminiscent of their other saying, at your service day and night, we do the job, we do it right. So they ask where Professor Tuttle is. He's been kidnapped. They look at his picture and they say they'll start looking in the basement. To the basement, to the basement. <laughs> so they fall down the stairs and uh, Curly looks up and says, this must be the basement. So Dick Curtis is there locking a trunk. Inside the trunk is Professor Tuttle all tied up. Mo says, excuse me, we're looking for a kidnapped professor. We're detectives. And uh, they turn to show him a badge or something. Their suits are funny, but like I said, both sides with the front. And uh, the same with their shoes. They've got the fronts of shoes on the back of their heels <laughs> so curtis repeats their statement and uh tuttle gets all excited in the trunk but uh curtis says no he uh but he does need help taking this trunk out to his truck says mo says sure you know you might do us a favor someday 
So Mo and Larry each take an end, and Curly says, I'll take the middle. I'll take the end in the middle. <laughs> but they load it all onto Curly's back, and uh, he smacks Mo with it, you know. Mo says, take it easier. I won't let you carry it at all. <laughs> they load it on the trunk, and they run back inside searching for Professor Tuttle, asking each other, you know. Bud says, uh, we'll never find the missing king now. Curly pulls a king from his pocket and says, how did you know the king was missing? <laughs> they they start fighting. We get the gentlemen, gentlemen, you know, and they turn and ask, who came in? Who, what, who, who came in? The masks on the back of their heads are really goofy and distracting, actually. Uh, Bud and Morton decide to hire them to go look for the... To go look for the mummy before they realize there is a curse. It wouldn't matter, though. Morton says if the curse does strike them, it'll be a blessing to humanity. <laughs> so they say, you're hired. You leave immediately for Cairo. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. I live in a town, C-A-I-R-O, but it is pronounced Cairo. And I'm so used to saying Cairo that I mispronounced Cairo, Egypt. Oh, my gosh. You're hired. You leave immediately for Cairo. Oh, my gosh. Curly says, uh, I have an uncle from Cairo. He's a chiropractor. Nyuk, nyuk. Uh, so the professors say, if you're successful, we'll pay you $5,000. Mo and Larry exclaim, for science. And Curly exclaims, for 5000 bucks." <laughs> they run out. And uh, Curly runs by. He grabs James Morton and dips him like he's going to kiss him. And then he barks and he drops him on his flat on his back. Just a weird little thing. So they get in a cab from the Bronx Taxi Cab Company. And Eddie Lawton is the driver here. Where he asks, uh, you know, where to? They say Egypt. And he flips the fare over. It starts at 15 cents. And off we go. Cut to $2,198.55 is, uh, on the fare, on the, uh, the ticker thing, uh, to Egypt. They're driving in the sand and their tires are all shredded and everything. The car looks like, you know, the worst for wear. <laughs> so they drive in the sand with the shredded tires. There's no telling how they really got there, you know, uh, a long bridge. But actually, it looks like they're not shredded after all. They have oars. Or paddles attached. And then they throw out an anchor. All the bags are tied to the sides. So they have floated over using the car as a boat. That's amazing. That's great. So they use, uh, they got that fast motion and they get out of the car. Just to save time and look less awkward climbing down, I would imagine. <laughs> the radio announcer is Mo, his real, his real voice. He's doing an ad for loans against your camel or elephant. <laughs> he announces the Swinging Bedouins. <laughs> Up next, the Swinging Bedouins. Mo turns around to the boys and he comments, Everywhere we go, there's commercial announcements. <laughs> this makes me think this must have been a new, irritating thing back then. Commercials, you know. They don't have a map. Curly does a southern accent. Uh, just fooling around. I reckon, I reckon. They need a filling station for their thirst, Larry says. Moe's looking at Larry's hair close up through the looking glass, and he thinks they're coming to the jungle with camels or octopus walking through. He realizes what's up and knocks Larry on the head. They find a signpost that says, Cairo City Limits and Tunis, 1,500 miles. Curly would rather go to Tunis. They can have a tuna sandwich for lunch. <laughs> he gets slapped for that one. Curly thinks he sees a boat. Larry and Moe tell him it's just a mirage, you know. Mirage? 
that's where you keep the automobile. <laughs> so uh, Curly runs to the mirage. He he dips his toe in the water, like pretends it's all cold. It's in it's just the sand, obviously. Mo and Larry are just standing there watching, and Curly just he does it all. He he splashes his underarms. He eases himself down in the water past his groin, like ooh, 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 it's all cold. You know, he splashes his face. Finally, he holds his nose and goes under. But he's just flopping around on the on the sand. They roll their eyes as he's, uh, you know, flipping and flopping and swimming. It's a great little bit from Curly, though. I'll bet people back then were rolling in the aisles at this at his antics. He's very convincing. And so convincing that Mo and Larry join him. They all dive. And uh, they fall into a hole in the desert. Oh, my. Where are we? Larry says it must be the subway. We see a guy looking at them from a little hidey hole behind a stone. They hear a voice that says, You're in the tomb of Rootin' Tootin' and are infidels who will die. Oh, Mo tells them to get a grip on themselves and they grab Mo. Turn me loose. I want to be free, Mo says. <laughs> so all the torches are lit, even though it's a tomb that no one's been into in, you know, thousands of years or hundreds of years at least. <laughs> but there are people down here, so I guess they, you know, a knife sticks in the wall ahead of Mo, and they all run away. So they skid to a halt, and we get a sound effect of a car screeching brakes, which we don't get sound effects like that in uh, Stooge movies. They were just trying something new, I guess. They run and, and, you know, never had anything like that. A skeleton drops behind them, and they run off again. Mo tells Curly to lead the way and go on. Curly says, I'll go when I'm ready. <laughs> Follow me. As they creep along, a hand reaches out and grabs Mo, so he's gone. Then a second hand grabs Larry, and Curly is left all alone. He turns around and sees the hand, and he barks at it. This, this might be his most effective barking yet in a, in a short. Um, he barks at scary things and runs off. <laughs> we cut to Mo and Larry in a cell, and a guard is sharpening his knife right outside. They grab him and pull his head into the bars and knock him out cold, so that's pretty good. They get the key and they run out, and Curly is looking for him, calling, calling out, Hey guys, you know, hey fellas. So there's an echo, and Curly scares himself. He calls, Where are you? And gets back, None of your business. Curly giggles until he starts crying, and then he runs off looking for the others again. He finds a hidden door and goes in, and uh, there's a lady mummy inside. But then he sees Rootin' Tootin's coffin, and it's locked, so he looks for something to uh, open it with. While he's looking, the door opens, and the mummy is there looking at him. Curly turns around and to see, and he's scared, but then he realizes he's found the mummy worth 5,000 bucks. And he says, you're going on a trip. The mummy says, that's what you think. And Curly turns around to look, but backs, he backs away from it. Then he gives the mummy the eye poke, and he runs off. <laughs> so Mo and Larry are on the other side of the door when Curly opens it, and uh, the latch catches his belt, and it lifts Curly right up off the ground. The boys come through, and uh, Curly clubs them, and they get up. He thought they were mummies, obviously, chasing him. Larry pulls him down, saying, come down, come on down, Applehead. I always like Applehead. It's like, what? Curly wants to show them the mummy, but Mo won't go. Uh, Larry goes to look. Mo's standing around, he, and a clawed hand lands on his shoulder. Curly and Larry's turn and see it. Mo looks at it sideways and then backs away wildly, running into Curly and Larry. A door opens and they all tumble into another room. A lot of running around in this one. 
This room that they've fallen into has the real rootin' tootin' laid out in it. Curly's looking around and he says, this, this place is full of rootin' tootins. There's mummies all around. Mo and Larry are looking at one. Mo says, he's the real McCoy. Larry says, McCoy? I thought it was rootin' tootin'. And Curly runs over saying, I found it, I found it. What? A tisket, a tasket, that green and yellow basket. And holds up a basket. He's just joking, being dumb, and Mo smacks him. Curly takes a fall into a pit of water. Uh, splashes them. They throw down a rope. And they fast motion to uh, pull Curly up out of the out of the hole. We see a guy, uh, just as they pull him up, we see a guy looking out from behind a panel again. Curly gets up and shakes himself off like a dog. He's, I'm just putting this together. Curly's love of dogs in real life. Um, he, he barks all the time. That's his big thing. And now he shakes like a dog. He, he, he loves to act like a dog. That's really funny. Mo squeezes the water out of Curly's ears and, uh, then they go to get the king. Curly covers the well head, the open hole over with a rug. So nobody falls in it. <laughs> that should be fine. Now, Mo and Larry go to open the door and tell Curly to go get rootin' tootin'. He says, come on, old kid, you're going places. <laughs> Curly turns or bends over, he burns his butt on a torch, and then he falls on the mummy, crushing it to dust. He blew up. He all unraveled, Curly says. We hear help and talking, and the boys listen, and we see Curtis and his thugs have Professor Tuttle tied to a chair. You've been giving me the runaround, giving your friends time to get that mummy. I'm going to count to three, and you better cooperate. The boys figure if they find out the mummy got crushed, they'll all be killed. So uh, Mo decides to make Curly into a mummy. He says, I can't be a mummy. I'm a daddy. <laughs> Larry says, so you'll be a daddy mummy. And Curly replies, oh, that's different. Larry starts to wrap Curly up in bandages, and uh, Mo pulls out his sewing kit. He says, good thing I'm an old tailor. But uh, the bad guys break through the wall, and Mo and Larry greet them. He says, where's Rootin' Tootin', he asks. And they look at Curly. Curtis says, boy, was he homely. Curly's laid out on the, you know, on the slab. Curly looks at him and waves his hand, you know, like, hmm. No one sees it, though. Uh, then they talk about all the jewels that are supposed to be there and that they'll have to cut him open to get to him. So they look up, and Curly unzips his shirt. <laughs> Dude turns around and sees it again, and he's like, oh, he's burst open. And he starts rooting around inside Curly's shirt. He pulls out a newspaper with the headline, Yanks win World Series. He says, can you beat that? Curly looks up and says, yeah, and I won five bucks. Curtis says, no kidding. I had the Cubs. Then he notices it's Curly, and all the, and the boys all run around with the professor. Hijackers, eh, Curtis says, which is pretty good. <laughs> The gang, uh, they're chasing, you know, the boys, and they fall through the rug and into the well. When, uh, when they fall in it, boy, the double for Curtis, man, either him or his double, I'm not sure. It, it looks like they hit, they hit the side of that hole pretty hard as they fall through. Professor Tuttle picks up a little casket, like a little, like, uh, you know, my buddy doll or Chucky size, maybe. He says, that wasn't rootin' tootin'. That was his wife, Hotsy Totsy. <laughs> this is rootin' tootin'. So he was a midget, I suppose. And uh so or a, a little person. The most says, All this trouble over a shrimp like that Curly says, What a small world and then uh we see a, a crocodile crawling through the rubble and into the tomb and where Curly sees it and he says, Hey fellas, a mummy alligator. It's just sitting there now. 
Said, so Curly thinks it's just stuffed or something. He says, I'm going to take it home. He goes and uh, pats it on his head, and he says, you'll look good on my wall. He bends over and moves it. So he was that close to, to a gator with his back to it. I mean, I'm sure they drugged it or something, but he bends over, and it moves away from him. I mean, it's, you know, maybe they did some of that. They put a pane of glass in between or something. Something. They... It's amazing. It really looks, really fooled me like, wow, Curly's really close to that alligator. So it bites Curly on the butt. Obviously, it doesn't actually bite Curly, and it's not even the alligator. And uh, the boys look, and it snaps again. Now, that's the real one. They all run straight out of the tomb, and they're all yelling, taxi, taxi, and they run to their waiting cab, and that is the end. What? (laughs) So, like I said earlier, the voice on the radio is Moe's real voice. Curly is talking about the World Series, Curly and Curtis, talking about the 1938 World Series between the Yankees and the Cubs, when they're talking about the bet. It's one of the only times that uh, a real-life event is shown shows up in a stooge short. There are some. This short marks the first time the boys are attacked by a monster that turns out to be a criminal in disguise. Ha-ha. And they would have got away with it, too, if it wasn't for you meddling kids. (laughs) This one was part of Turner Broadcasting's Halloween specials, The Three Stooges Fright Night. Uh, Featured several of their scary shorts. There were a bunch of them. I think that was in like 92 and 93, something like that. A little mistake here was that alligators are not in Africa. That would be a crocodile that was coming coming to see them. I might have said crocodile anyway but uh i think they call it an alligator this short marks sadly marks the final appearance of james c morton he of the it's a tarantula fame uh he would pass away in 1942 so four years later but yeah this is his final stooge appearance again this is the first stooge short to use the three blind mice as the theme song Flatfoot Stooges uses it in 1938, so it is the first one released to use it. But this was the first one shot and planned usage, so uh, this is the first use, you know, on paper (laughs) and in shooting uh, of the three blind mice as the beginning, and then they just released them out of order, out of shooting order. So this short gets a 9.43 on threestooges.net. And I'm going to go 9.5. This is a good one. There's a lot of fast fast pace to it. Great short. Lots of fun stuff. Like I said. So I guess that's it. There's not a whole lot of behind the scenes type stuff for this one. But uh, that'll bring this episode to a close. So tune in next time when we will look at the next short. A ducking they did go. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the nice messages about the podcast. Go to anchor.fm if you want to make your own. It's a great free site. Takes all of the guesswork out of podcasting. It uh, monetizes, lists you on directories, does all that good stuff. Please rate and review the show if you like it. If you are a fan or a regular listener, please go and give me a five-star review. That sure would be helpful. I hate to ask, but, you know, I don't hate it that much. Apparently it really helps, and so that would be cool, um, you know, get some more listeners to the show. If you're not a fan of the show or you just or you don't like it, then just leave it alone. You don't have to give me a one-star review. 
But anyway, I have once again been your host and chief knucklehead, Gabriel Russo, broadcasting from Stooge Studios at the back of the house with my new microphone. See you next time. Bye.